when I was flipping, it's all about velocity. If you're in and you're out, you want to be out in and out as quickly as possible. Hello and welcome to Pillars of Wealth Creation, where we talk about creating financial success with a special focus on business and real estate. I'm your host, Todd Dexheimer. Now, let's get to it. Hello and welcome back to Pillars of Wealth Creation. I'm your host, Todd Dexheimer. With me, we got Matt Jones. Matt, how are you doing today? Hey, I'm doing great. How about you, Todd? I am doing fantastic, man. It has been uh Wow. It's just been a crazy first start of the year. I just got back from the best ever conference, which quite frankly is probably the best ever conference. It's a, it's a really good conference. Uh, and it depends quite actually, let me take that back. It really depends on what you're looking for. It could be a great conference or it could be not that great of a conference. So it depends on what you're looking for. It could just be an average conference. Um, so the best ever conference, it was in Denver next year. It's going to be in Salt Lake city. It's hosted by, uh, Joe Fairless and Ben Lapidus. Uh, they do a fantastic job and, um, they get a lot of people. So there was about a thousand people that signed up. I don't know how many people showed up. It's hard to say, uh, but I would, I would guess just, just roughly, you know, let's call it 800 people, 900 people showed up. Um, and the, the reason why I say it's hard to say is because you've got people in the room where the speakers are and you've got people in the hallways, you got, there's exhibitor, uh, area, there's, you know, people that just decide they're going to go to a restaurant with a small group of people or, you know, hang out wherever. And so you got kind of people everywhere networking and doing their thing. And you got people listening to the speakers and, um, I honestly did not listen to the speakers, uh, really very much at all, even though I was one of the speakers, uh, that was the longest I was in the room was when I was in front of the room, uh, for whatever it was, 40 minutes. Um, other than that, I was in the room for a very short amount of time and really out just trying to network and trying to meet people. So it's, a, it was a great networking conference. Um, one of the things I thought was, was interesting because I've been to a lot of these conferences and I was actually at a conference uh, in Atlanta, the Viking Capital Conference, and that conference was a lot smaller. Uh, I think there was there was probably less than 100 people there. And I know there was less than 100 people there, uh, but the networking was phenomenal. And the type of people I met there uh, were a lot of potential passive investors in my deals. So I felt like I get really got a lot of value out of this con- out of that conference. Where the best ever, um, I don't think I met. I there's nobody that sticks out in my head as a potential investor. Now maybe a potential investor or two, but these are people that are doing actual deals today. For the most part, you know, some people aren't, but for the most part, they're actually doing their own deals. Um, and so the type of connections I made there were not necessarily passive investors, but potential partners. Maybe they'll help raise some money for a deal. Maybe they'll bring me a deal. Um, maybe they'll provide a connection for me at some point in time. Um, maybe I can provide connections for them, you know, so that that's the type of people that I'm at this conference. So a little, just, just interesting, the different dynamic of some of these conferences and who you meet. Um, I've been, like I said, I've been to many conferences and some of them, I feel like I meet a lot of passive investors. Some of them, I feel like I meet potential coaching clients. Some of them, I feel like I meet potential partners or somehow collaborate, do collaboration with. So, 
but it was a good time. Uh, and we took advantage. I said to my wife, I said, I'm going to go out to Denver. I can't go out to Denver and not downhill ski. She said, yes, you can. I said, no, I can't. So I went and downhill skied for a day and a half before the conference too. So that was a, that was a great time. We met up with some other people that were um, attending the conference and, and uh, got to hit the slopes for a few days, which is always a good time. Oh, sounds like you did it right. I mean, with these conferences, the presentations are good and they can be informative and helpful, yeah. but the networking is where the, the true, uh, you know, uh, worth that you get out of a conference will be. Yeah. Well, and, it, and honestly, Matt, it depends on the stage you're in too, right? Uh, if you're in the, that very beginning stage, then certainly you want to attend some of those, uh, some of those presentations and, I would encourage you to do networking, but you, you certainly want to attend some of those presentations if you're, if you're brand new and, and really help you learn um, quickly. So yeah, a little bit of both if you're brand new, but if you've been in the business a long time, um, you know, the, the, certainly the most valuable uh, is just meeting people and growing that network. And, uh, you know, I, I love, just listening to what other people are doing, hearing what other people are doing, who's, who's doing things in real time and what, what are they doing? What's their strategy? What are their thoughts? Um, you know, what's going on with the market that, that they're in? What are the thoughts about it? And just, just bouncing ideas off each other and best practices. I have to pat our back a little bit. Cause I think we put on a great conference for excellent networking at the North star real estate conference. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, I think we, we try really hard to make sure, uh, good networking takes place, uh, provide people plenty of, of opportunities, plenty of breaks um, to get in their, the, the networking that they want to get in and encourage it a lot. So, yeah, I, I agree. I mean, that's, that's one of the things I really like to see with the, with the conference, with our conference is, is the networking because it's, it's so valuable. It's just, it's, it's irreplaceable really. Yep. I agree. Cool. Well, Matt, what are we talking about today? Cause it wasn't the conference. I just, you know, that that's my, my brain just goes in multiple directions. So what are we talking about today? Well, we're going to be talking about, uh, should you invest for the short term or long term, you know, benefits and deficits of each. Yeah. Yeah. So short term, long term, um, and, 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 there, and there's no, there's no right or wrong answer. Right. But, uh, I think, I think it's important to really think about, um, you know, Matt, what if we do a debate? Okay. You and I. All right. Would you feel good about that if you said, I don't know, do you want to go short term or do you want to go long term? Which which one do you feel like you could uh fight me moron? Uh I I just I'm called myself a moron. <laughs> More <laughs> No, more on upon you. Oh. Uh, okay, uh, I I could do either. I mean, I, I could I could I could, um I took debate and argumentation classes in college, so um, okay, you know I I can talk out of my ass if I need to, but uh, no, you pick. Okay, I'll do short term. Okay, short term. So you're going to be for short term. I'm going to be for long term. Matt, I've got the chat to the side, so open up your chat. I, if if I think of a note that you should be arguing me on, I'll type it there. If you think of something you think I should be saying, type it in there. Okay. So kind of be glancing down at the chat every once in a while. All right. I've got it open because, you know, sometimes you, you send me things in the chat. Then I notice like right after we've done <laughs> finished right. recording, like, oh, that's why I said that. That's why <laughs> Thank I said you. That. I appreciate that. All right. So you ready? Yep. So Matt, that, 
that's not what we're talking about, right? I get distracted. My, my mind goes in a million different directions. What are we talking about today? What, what's our topic? Well, we're going to be talking about short-term versus long-term investing. And we're going to do this a little different today, debate style. I'm going to take right. on the stance of short-term investing. Yeah. Which one are you? Are you going to I'm, be I'm uh, short-term? You're going to be short-term. All yeah. right. So, so I'm long-term. And honestly, I'm glad you picked short-term because long-term is by far the best way. To uh, oh, come on. No. It is. It is. It just is. You know, look, why do we get into investing in the first place? Everybody wants to get into investing because they want long-term passive income. They don't want to create another job. And with short-term, which you think is amazing, with short-term, you're just creating yourself another new job. Not with long-term, I'm creating nice passive income. Yeah, but short term, you can have velocity of deals and, and maximize your profits by by turning uh, you know, your properties around and going to the next better thing. Well, why do I want velocity of deals when I can just have a few less deals and less headache and still make great cash flow? Well, you can make great profits with the short term, though. Like, like you can get in there, get out and, and pull out your profits and move on. Okay, so I can get in, get out, pull my profits out. That's great. Um but then I'm taxed on that, right? Well, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, certainly if you're holding on to it for less than a year, then you're going to be subject to some short-term capital gains taxes, unless you can prove that you, you had planned on but you know, uh, holding it for more than a year. But that, that gets into a whole other sidetrack of things. So likely if it's less than a year, you pay uh, extra taxes, which is fine. You have that included with your business plan. Uh, so you have I, to make I think, enough. Matt, we should probably define short term versus long term. What mm. What's your definition of short term? Is it Is it less than a year? Is it three years or less? Is it five years or less? What What's your definition of short term? For me, it'd be like two years or less. Okay, so two years or less. So can I ten thirty one exchange potentially on a on a two year or less deal? Uh, yes, if it's between one and two years, certainly. I've heard of some people making the argument that they can potentially do it for less than a year, but, but that gets a little sticky. Sure. Okay. So that's good. So that we got this now our definition. So we're short-term, um, long-term look here. Here's the thing is in any type of investing, there's a lot of volatility or can be a volatility. And so why I like long-term is because if I count on, things going up in the short term and they don't, I could be left holding the bag where if I count on long-term, well, there's a lot better opportunity that the real estate values go up. I'll give you a, for instance, Matt, let's just say I bought a property in 2006 and I planned on a short-term hold. I was going to get in and out and be out by 2008. Well, Everybody listening probably knows that I lost a ton of money from 2006 to 2008. But had I planned on long term today, 2022, it's March of 2022. We're going to timestamp this. I made a lot of money if I was long term. My value of my property from 2006 to 2020 to 2022 has gone up probably pretty drastically. And I cash flowed that entire time, maybe not for a couple of years, right? 2008, 2009, maybe 2010. I struggled a bit, but I cash flowed and I made it through. And now I'm looking really good. 
Yeah, but with short term, you know, you can adjust to market conditions. If if things just you know, get the whiff of like, oh, things are starting to go down, you can sell. You won't make as much profits, but you can still get out uh, while the getting out is good. If you're holding for long term, then you might still be holding the bag. Like, uh, and not every year is like 2006. You know, <laughs> you, you can't just. You know, granted, neither of us has a the crystal ball, but with short term holds, you can like you can just sell on a dime when you need to. Yeah. Yeah. I, okay. So I know a guy that, um, that purchased a property and actually the reason I know this guy is cause I purchased his property from him, but he tried to flip this property. He bought it in, I think 2004 and he chased the market up and he chased it back down. And, uh, at one point in time, he had the property listed for over $300,000 and I bought it for him at, at about, I think it was $96,000 finally. And that was in I, mm, 20, let's call it 2013, 2012, somewhere around there. Um, I bought the house from him after he'd chased the market up and then chased the market down. Well, that sort of argues my point because then he was holding it for too long in the end you know, that long-term, you know, you might have the bad time, you know, just like, oh, now I, I'm selling uh, after holding it for a while, but it's just the worst time to sell. So okay. it, it, so maybe I made your argument for you is what you're, you're yeah, thinking. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Right, That's right, short right, term is the way to go. <laughs> so you're saying get out fast, right? You yep. get, get out as quickly as possible. Yeah. The key yeah, is velocity. Uh, and I couldn't, I couldn't agree with you more actually. And I'm going to help your case out. Maybe, maybe too much but when i was flipping it's all about velocity if you're in and you're out you want to be out in and out as quickly as possible so if you're thinking short term it's velocity even multifamily. if you're going hey this is a five-year three-year hold like it's all about velocity the quicker you're in and out you're making certainly making more money and potentially uh, avoiding mistakes but back to long term i really like long term we avoid taxes right I shouldn't say we avoid taxes, but we avoid as large of taxes because we've got long-term hold and we can really take advantage of depreciation because we've got a long-term hold. Um, and we've got an asset that's just a continuing to appreciate in value. Um, assuming of course that we bought it in the right location. Um, but, but we've got an asset that continues to improve in value is going to be worth a lot more. I've never, regretted holding a property. I've only regretted selling a property. And the reason for that is because I all of a sudden have no cash flow or, you know, limited to that cash flow. And cash flow is what helps me live my day-to-day -day life. Appreciation and quick sell does not necessarily help me build my wealth and live my day-to-day -day life because i'm just going to take that money and move it on to the next deal yeah but i mean if you're growing if you're trying to grow an empire you need to force appreciation and do so quickly and you can only force so much appreciation in one particular property so you you, you force that appreciation you, you renovate it build it up uh, sell it and then reinvest that into a bigger thing do this and just rinse and repeat and, and you get bigger and bigger and bigger much faster whereas if you're holding on to a property for a long term that capital is is parked there hey the north star real estate conference is back it's may 2nd and 3rd and this year it's a bit different we're going to be hammering in on multifamily real estate and we're going to show you asset management value add strategies 
raising millions of dollars through syndication, and how to find those hidden gems in today's market that are just so tough to find. And one of the biggest things I'm excited to bring you is industry experts that you're gonna be able to put on your team so you can hit the ground running day one. So join us May 2nd and 3rd at the North Star Real Estate Conference. Look forward to seeing you there. Warren Buffett says, hold long-term, the end. Well, <laughs> does he have real estate? I mean, <laughs> uh, yeah, kind of. Uh, he owns right shares in companies that are in the real estate uh, business. <laughs> but I think that that seals my argument, right? Warren Buffett says to do it. Shouldn't we do it? Well, I mean, it, again, it just depends. Like, granted, like with the long term, yes, you do have cash advantage or like a, a tax advantages and cash flow and, and more of the market appreciation, but you can't count on market appreciation. What you can count on is the repairs and upgrades you yourself are in charge of. So you can do those, you know, renovate the property and get out and, and pull out your cash and, and just keep growing. What about the issue, though, of always having to work on getting the next deal you're all if you're selling and you're you got this velocity of money so you're always moving your money that's i get your argument for it but you're just creating yourself another job and so you're always continuing to be busy when i look at my long-term holds i on those properties, once they get to a nice stabilized level, I really can just put my hands behind my bed, kick my feet, my head, uh, kick my feet up and really just watch them grow. Well, it sounds like you're just being lazy, you know? <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm you trying know to put, me. <laughs> yeah. It's a poor argument, granted, but, uh, so I'm willing to put in extra work for more profits, uh, again, because I'm at a stage where I'm needing and wanting to grow. So, so if I'm not at a stage though, where I need to grow, if I want to take it easy a little bit, would you still recommend short-term or you think long-term is the best way to go? Okay. Well, granted your strategy can change, uh, at, at different points in your life. So maybe mm -hmm. when I'm old and gray, uh, when I get to be your age someday, then, then I'll be focused Ouch. more on cash flow. Ouch. I do have lots of gray here, by the way, man. Hey, I was at, I, I was uh, getting a haircut yesterday and I think the, the, the uh, person at the hair place was actually trying to hit on me, but you know, I'm a happily married man. So I'm not going to you know take advantage of that. But uh, anyways, she was telling me that uh, gray hair people are very distinguished and she did that all the people at the salon really uh, like a little bit of sprinkled gray. So, you know, she made me feel a little bit better. Then I went home and told my wife, she says, no, that's not true. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so then I felt bad again. No. Um, yeah. I, and, and I agree. Right. So, all right. So let's break a little bit from, from the debate, Matt, um, long-term, short-term, right. There's different times of your investing career and there's, there's different reasons for it. And we, we, we still do both. I do both long-term and short-term and you're right. The velocity of money is, is wildly important. So if, if I'm going to, if I'm going to be growing my business, the fastest way to grow my business is continue to cycle that those deals. And so that's, that's really a great strategy is to get in a deal, work hard at it, raise its value and get out of it. 
There's another reason for that too, is that's the the best that deal is going to look at that given time. When you finish the renovations, when everything's all done, and we've got peak peak rent, we got everything's going well. It's worth a lot of money right then, and so there's a reason to sell it quickly, right? Because all of a sudden, as you hold it, the longer you hold it, the more likely more repairs are going to come up, updates are going to be needed. Now, I look at all the properties that I fixed up in 2008 through 2014; they're all outdated right now. All of them, 100% of them. They were up to date in 2014. But in 2022, they're all out of date. Paint colors are wrong. You know, flooring choices are wrong. All that kind of stuff. So if I want to maximize the value out of those properties, what do I have to do? I got to remodel them. Well, I just remodeled them not that long ago when I spent $30,000, you know, a unit or whatever it was. Now I got to do that again? You tell me I got to spend another 30K again just a few years later? Like, ah, that drives me nuts. So there's a reason to sell it quickly is so you don't have to go and remodel it again. Because guess what? Those properties, I don't have to remodel again right now if I wanted to maximize the rents, certainly. But there's still some leg room in them. And, and the, the amount of money I have to put into it to be able to raise the rents this small amount because they're not that outdated isn't worth it. But eventually they will be, right? You look at any 1980s building and it's outdated if it hasn't been renovated, right? Uh, that's just how it is. So eventually you can't just go forever and not, uh, not update. So eventually you have to restick that money into it, uh, which hurts your bottom line uh, for a long-term rental. But at the same time, what can we do? What's one strategy that you can do if you want to re-renovate a property that you've held long-term? Yeah, you just re-renovate it. Well, but what? how can you get that money? Oh, refinance. Right, refinance, because that property likely has grown in value. Right, it's grown in value considerably. It, you know, I bought a property in 2008. Today, I could refinance it. But again, I don't have to renovate the whole thing right now. So maybe I, maybe I can wait for another 10 years. Well, that's 2032. What, what are the chances, Matt, from 2008 to 2032 that my building is worth more money? Uh, high. High chance. Yeah. Pretty dang high, yeah. right? I mean, is there a chance that we get stuck in a recession at that t- time and all of a sudden my property drops in value? Yes, there is. Will it likely drop to 2008 levels? Probably not. Um, but could it? Sure, it could. But likely not. And so... I'm going to be able to refinance that property. I'm going to be able to sink some money into it. And now I can continue to hold it and, um, and, you know, depreciate it and all, all that. And so, you know, obviously good and bad things. And we like to sprinkle in a little bit of both. Like I said, you know, and I'm, I'm far from a lazy person, uh, but man, it's kind of nice having a property or having a couple properties where I can kind of sit back for the most part and uh, put my hands behind my head and kick my feet up. You know, we, we've got one property right now that, that I'm just thinking off the top of my head, uh, property we put a lot of time and attention into, and we're just finally reaping the rewards of that property. And we haven't taken our eye off the ball, but, you know, our, our calls on that property are short. They're easy. 
There's just a check-in. What's going on? What do we need to do? Where are the rents at? Should we raise them? That type of thing. Fairly easy, quick call. It's once a week. That's all we have to do. That's all the time we're spending on that property right now. I mean, things could go all of a sudden go wrong and then we have to spend some more time, but right now it's an easy deal. And it's kind of nice to have that deal sprinkled in there with some of these more stressful deals that are short-term. And that makes sense. I think for me, it depends on the deal, depends on what my strategy at the particular time, where I think we are in the market and, and where we're headed. Uh, and, and so I'm going to adjust my strategy based on those conditions. Mm. That's very interesting to talk about where we are in the market versus your strategy. Because I think that that can be dangerous as well. And so it depends on how you're thinking about that, right? If you're thinking, uh, we're close to the peak, so I'm going to flip properties. I'm going to get in and out of them quickly. Well, great strategy until you get stuck. And eventually you will get stuck if that's your philosophy, right? Because the market will turn. If you're sitting here going, I'm going to hold these things long-term, Again, and, and you're saying because of the market, well, great strategy, but if part of that strategy is, you know, renovating and doing all this and you don't have good cash flow, well, you could get stuck really quickly. So you really want to have a good strategy set a place that allows you to get in and out quickly, potentially, but you want to make sure that if the market switches, that you're not going to get stuck in a bad position with that property. So I think that's, that's really critical to be thinking about where we are in the market cycle, which I think anybody today can say we're not at the bottom. I think it doesn't take a genius to say we're not at the bottom. Are we at the top? I don't know, but we certainly are much higher than the bottom. Much, much higher. And so I know today when I buy a property, I need to be thinking about what happens if a recession happens? Where will this property be? Will it still maintain, will it still be in our portfolio? Or will it be out of our portfolio because we can't hold on to it? Because we can't make our debt service payments and we are going to send this one back to the bank, right? And obviously if that's the answer, then I don't want to buy it. <laughs> that's really important. Um, but yeah, um, you know, we're looking at a property right now, Matt, we're, we're buying, we're, we're looking at two properties and, and one is a shorter term hold likely with the possibility that we could make it a long-term hold if we want to, or if we need to. And the other one is looking at a long-term hold for, for sure, uh, regardless. Um, that's one thing I like about long-term holds is, is that we don't have to worry about the market. I don't have to worry about what's going on as much. I mean, certainly I still you know, look at the market, but this is in cash flows, cash flows. I kind of have to worry about all these potential, oh, the market's going to you know, take a dive. Well, if I got good long-term financing, I got cash flow and it's at a good location. Okay. Market, go ahead and take a dive. I'll just wait. And that, I think that's the smart way to do, uh, you know, go about it because like, you know, as long as you buy right. Uh, and you know, we, I was listening to you talk the other day and, and you were saying that, uh, 
you know, by buying right, either you reduce the price or you you know, put more as a down payment. So you're not over leveraged. Mm. If the property is going to cash flow enough through these bad times, you can hold on to it. And then when things go up again, then you can sell it at that point. Yep. Yeah. And there's uh there, there that that's a whole strategy, by the way, is just putting less debt on these deals. A lot of people are are trying to maximize how much debt they put on what other people are trying to actually minimize the amount of debt they put on them, which which reduces their risk exposure. And quite frankly, yeah, it also reduces their investor returns. But if your investors are are prudent and they're not looking to, at uh, really crushing the cash flow and they go, hey, I, I, I don't mind a, a 10% IRR if I know we're going to make it through any recession. Like if you're at 40% LTV, um, man, I feel really good about this deal. And I'm willing to take a little bit less cash flow because you're not taking on much risk. You know, there's, there's that always that risk reward, you know, the less risk you take, certainly the less reward you have, but the less downside potential you have, you're going to take a lot more risk and put a lot more debt on it. Certainly there's, there's more upside, but man, when that market cycles, there might be a hundred percent downside. Yeah. And there's a lot of people right now that are paying such high prices and, and they are uh, over leveraging. I, you know, if things do take a downturn, they're going to be caught with their pants down when the music stops. Yeah, I mean, dude, I feel like I'm paying crazy high prices. Every mm -hmm. time we buy a deal, I'm like, oh my gosh, like I would never have paid that that long ago. But, you know, you got to look at too, what's, does the deal make sense? Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, it does make sense, right? It cash flows it, you know, that this, the numbers work, but man, am I really paying that high of a price for a property? I feel like an idiot sometimes. Um, but why didn't I pay that high of a price in 2018? I should have paid that high of a price in 2018 or, or a little bit less, right. And got that deal. Now look at it now, but you got to look at reality and where we're at today. I mean, things are different today than they were yesterday and they're really going to continue to evolve and change. And, um, you know, as long as you follow the right fundamentals, I feel like you're going to be fine. You know, I guess we never know, right? We, we really don't. I mean, it depends on how big a cycle is. And, and But yeah, it, it drives me nuts sometimes to be paying the prices I'm paying. Because I, I remember I was investing in 2008, 2009, 2010, and so on. I remember those prices. I remember buying properties for super cheap. You know, I, I remember seeing apartment buildings selling for $20,000 a door. And those same apartments are selling for 150 a door. Like I remember back, it's like, holy crap, it drives me nuts. But at the same time, well, if the fundamentals work, if the numbers work, what, what's stopping you from paying those prices? All right, man. Well, we got sidetracked uh, again. You know, that happens. But um, long-term, short-term, really, honestly, it, it depends on what you're trying to do. And I feel like you should sprinkle in a little bit of both. I feel like you should have a little bit of long-term. I feel like you should have a little bit of short-term. And if you have both, I think you're going to do pretty well. I think uh, diversification, especially if you're a passive investor, like if you're a passive investor, if you invest in enough deals, you're going to have diversification, good diversification. If one deal goes south, it's not going to crush you. And, and that as a passive investor, as an active investor is what you want, right? If you, if you want 
to be doing enough deals. You want to spread your risk amount uh, along enough deals, enough units. That's why I like bigger units too. That's why I like buying a hundred unit building or 200 unit building is because if I got one tenant that doesn't pay rent, it's not going to crush me. Or if I get a single family home and I got one tenant that doesn't pay rent, that's going to crush me. Right. So diversification is huge. And, um, being in properties with different strategies, in my opinion, is a, a, is great value to you um, and in your and your uh, portfolio. And that makes sense. Uh, so yeah, again, it all depends on what your strategy is, but I like your idea of having a sort of a hybrid model. Yeah, man. Well, cool, Matt. Uh, anything else that you want to add? No, I think that's it for today. Cool. All right, Matt. You have a fantastic rest of the day. Make every day Saturday. Thanks. You too. Hey, thanks so much for listening. I appreciate you being a loyal listener. Say, I would love to have you go on to our Facebook page and subscribe. Uh, give us a thumbs up. Go on to iTunes or wherever you listen and give us a rating and review. Don't forget to subscribe. Your rating review just helps us push this out to more and more people and continue to grow our audience and hopefully positively affect a ton of people out there that really need this and, and want this. So uh, the other thing I've got for you is a free ebook on my website. So go on to venturedproperties.com, venturedproperties.com and download our free ebook uh, on real estate and on syndication. And I've got some data points in there, some really good stuff for you. So I'd love to have you take a look at that. It's free. I'm not expecting anything from it. Uh, and also look, if you want some help in multifamily, want some help learning, growing, getting your business off the ground, I would love to talk to you about what it would look like, uh, to work with me potentially and see if that's a good fit. So you can go to coachwithdex.com and check that out. And, uh, we can definitely have a, uh, a call. Thanks a lot for listening. You make it a fantastic rest of the day. I'll catch you on the next episode.